Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine that is produced by BMJ. On this podcast, we will be discussing the manuscript Development of a Lupus Nephritis Suboptimal Response Prediction Tool Using Renal Histopathological and Clinical Laboratory Variables at the Time of Diagnosis. Our guest is Dr. Jim Oates, Professor of Medicine, Director of the Division of Rheumatology and Immunology, and Vice Chair for Research at the Medical University of South Carolina. Dr. Oates, why is it important to be able to predict response to treatment for lupus nephritis? What are the reasons and what are the benefits to patients? The reason we get up in the morning as providers that take care of lupus nephritis patients is we really want to make sure that we preserve as much kidney function as possible when our patients with lupus get kidney disease. The problem we have is that it's a very heterogeneous disease. So there's not a one-size-fits-all way of approaching lupus nephritis. So the goal of this project was to try to predict upfront based on renal histopathology features and some lab values what a one-year outcome of a patient might be. And our goal there is to give clinicians an aid so that they may take better care of the patient. And what would that mean? That might mean following the patient more frequently, monitoring urine protein to creatinine and renal function more frequently. It may mean getting them engaged with a care coordinator or a navigator or a social worker. And it may mean having a lower threshold for changing therapy if it doesn't look like they're responding in the short run. What indicators have been used in the past to predict outcomes in lupus nephritis? And what were their limitations? So traditionally, we rely a lot on labs. We look at kidney function with estimated glomerular filtration rate. One of the limitations of that is we don't know when we first meet the patient during a flare, if they have low renal function, whether that's due to activity or damage. Another thing we look at is whether the sediment in the urine is active. That means red cells in the urine. One of the limitations of that is that the laboratory doesn't always process the specimen in a fashion that preserves the ability to see red blood cells. So that becomes a problem. Now, and finally, we look at histopathology. And the limitations in the past have been the ability to synthesize all the information we get on the biopsy and come up with what we think might be the likelihood that the patient might succeed or have failure to treatment that we provide. Okay. So what was the purpose of your study? What did you hope to learn? Our end goal was to give clinicians an aid in interpreting histopathology and laboratory results to predict one-year risk of non-response to treatment so that they might change the way that they approach the patient as a result of that prediction. How did you determine which indicators you were going to evaluate in your study? And why did you not include immunosuppressants in the analysis? So I'll break it down into two answers. The first is that we look to the literature for indicators that may predict response. So we look at the traditional labs that we follow for lupus disease activity and damage when it comes to the kidney. And these include markers of complement DNA antibodies, kidney function, and cell counts, and albumin. 
but we also look to the literature regarding pathologic, histopathologic features that predict outcomes. And there's actually a reasonable literature on this that began with Austin and colleagues at the NIH, where they developed this activity and chronicity score that we decided to use. Others have followed. Schwartz and colleagues looked at, from the Lupus Nephritis Collaborative Group, looked at features of the activity and chronicity index. Rinyink looked at fibrous crescents and Tang at all actually use random forest modeling to determine clinical elements that might predict the class of lupus nephritis. So we included the whole basket of items in the activity and chronicity indices and the laboratory features and demographic features. The second question was, uh, why did we not include immunosuppressants in the analysis? So this was a retrospective study. And that means that treatment was not randomized. It wasn't based on the prediction score. So you might envision that a clinician might use second line therapy or change therapies if they predict in their own mind that a patient might not do well. So you could envision that the model might indicate that patients on drug A second line therapy are going to do worse as opposed to that drug is associated with worse outcomes because the clinician felt like they needed a second line therapy. We didn't want that to confuse interpretation of the results and steer people away from what might be good medications for second line treatment. How did you go about developing the tool? Were there existing tools that you used as a model? So we've been using random forest techniques to model outcomes using novel biomarkers. And I thought the models were very good. But one of the limitations of that work is that these novel biomarkers are not available clinically. So I wanted to take a step back and develop machine learning models that use real world data that a clinician anywhere might have. So we use the concept of machine learning that we'd used before, but new input data elements. And we expanded on this by actually running several different machine learning models and looking at the average prediction score and actually graphing out the prediction scores of each model so that the clinicians can see the heterogeneity of the prediction or whether it's a tight prediction or a spread prediction so that they can get a sense for whether they trust the results or not. Okay. So then how does it work? What is its intended use in clinical practice? So if you have had a kidney biopsy done on a patient with lupus nephritis and have some laboratory values like white count and hemoglobin, and the pathologist has read the kidney biopsy using the International Society of Nephrology, Renal Pathologies Society classification that was revised to include activity and chronicity index, you have the data to enter into the model. So if you go to the paper, there's a link to uh, an application that you can use online and fill out the patient's activity score, their chronicity score based on the renal biopsy, the extent of interstitial fibrosis or interstitial inflammation, the urine protein to creatinine, the white cell count, and the hemoglobin. And you hit submit and it gives you a graph of what the models predict the probability of this particular patient's non-response to treatment at one year would be. And it will show the aggregate of all the models as an X and then show each individual model as a different colored dot. And you can go to the different models individually as well. 
but it shows your patient relative to other patients who were responders or non-responders and what their prediction scores looked like. So it gives you some context relative to the training set that was used here. So what did you learn from the study? What did the data tell you? When we use machine learning, we can take a very large group of potentially predictive elements and create a model that has a good ROC area under the curve of around 0.8. And it shows us that we can take that and represent it as an application on the web that a clinician might use. One of the things it taught me is that our gestalt as experts in lupus nephritis are consistent with what we found in these particular models, that if a patient has very little activity on their biopsy and a lot of chronicity, they're not likely to respond well. On the flip side, if they have activity on their biopsy, there's something there to treat and they tend to respond better. I was a little surprised to see things like hemoglobin and white blood cell count I have theories as to why they may be important. The urine protein to creatinine as a variable did make sense because that's part of the response criteria. Are there limitations that our listeners should know about? One of the limitations is that while the data were collected prospectively, this analysis is retrospective. And the cohort that we used was not designed specifically for this purpose, to test the model and what its effect on outcomes might be. Another limitation is that the population we studied reflects our clinic population and was mostly African-American. That will be important to clinicians taking care of African-Americans, but whether that generalizes to different groups is not clear. And another limitation was that we only looked at one-year outcomes. Is the tool available for clinicians to use right now? I would answer both ways to that question that clinicians can go to the link and use the tool with the caveat that I would not make medication treatment decisions based on the predictions, but you might use that in a discussion with the patient about frequency of follow-up or whether you might work harder to make sure that there are no barriers to understanding, affording, taking, tolerating, and trusting your medicines. As Dr. Oates mentioned, the link to the online tool is published in the Lupus Science and Medicine Manuscript, which you can access at lupus.bmj.com. So where do you go with this next? What are your future plans for the development of this tool? I could see a two-stage process. The first stage would be a larger study similarly designed with retrospectively collected data to show that in a larger population, the models are just as good but also in a more diverse population that the models work just as well. And if that turns out to be true, I would like to do an implementation study where you use this tool to make decisions about either treatment or approach to the patient's follow-up monitoring and perhaps earlier transition to second-line therapy to see if it actually affects outcomes. You know, our goal is to treat patients with lupus nephritis with better therapies and give them better outcomes. We can do better. Each of these things is a piece of the puzzle, but patients are human beings and they live in an environment that affects their outcomes. So one aspect that I would like to study is whether social determinants of health are associated with outcome and whether those variables in the model help us with prediction because we know in the clinic that these variables are important. We just don't systematically either measure them or know how to act upon them. So if we can measure them and show that they're important in the modeling, this might influence others to 
put funding into how we address those factors as well. Dr. Oates, your final thoughts? We had several co-authors on the paper, and this was actually a long-term project by multiple rheumatology clinical fellows over the years, including David Dillon, Laura Parks, and Lindsay Helget was a resident who went into rheumatology, who picked up the final leg of the race and brought this project to fruition. Sally Self and Evelyn Bruner were our pathologists in the study. Beth Wolf was our statistician who did the machine learning modeling and helped us make sense of the data. And I have to put a plug in for my son who did the uh, online application that the clinicians can use. And I am very grateful for all the biomarker funding that I've received over the years from the VA and the NIH and my colleagues in rheumatology who've made this longitudinal cohort of patients with lupus possible. And finally, I want to thank the patients who had participated because without them, we would not be able to figure out how we might better take care of future patients. Well, congratulations on the publication of your manuscript. And thank you for taking time today to speak with us on our podcast. Our guest has been Dr. Jim Oates, Professor of Medicine, Director of the Division of Rheumatology and Immunology, and Vice Chair for Research at the Medical University of South Carolina. He was discussing the manuscript, Development of a Lupus Nephritis Suboptimal Response Prediction Tool, using renal histopathological and clinical laboratory variables at the time of diagnosis. It is published in the open access journal, Lupus Science and Medicine, and is available for free online at lupus.bmj.com. For the Lupus Foundation of America and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters. Thank you for listening.